Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room Podcast. As you may know or can see from the title of this episode, we've just celebrated 100 episodes of the HR Room Podcast. And we're delighted to be marking this milestone with our C-Suite series, a collection of interviews covering some of the biggest HR and business topics with some of the top leaders in the world of work. In the latest installment of the series, we'll be discussing all things HR with one of the most influential HR leaders in the UK, Ireland and beyond, CEO of the CIPD, Peter Cheese. Thank you for joining us, Peter. How are you? No, thank you very much. It's good to be with you. I'm uh, very well, thank you. Brilliant stuff. And this week, we're also joined by our very own Liam Barton, Senior HR Consultant here at Inside HR. How are you, Liam? Very well, Owen. Thanks. Brilliant stuff. So we'll jump right in. Um, so I suppose, Peter, as we kind of spoke about uh, just before the, the call here, it's been quite a couple of years in, in the world of work, um, but HR or arguably, I suppose, one of the most front and center business units throughout. But of course, it's also the cost of that. I suppose it hasn't been easy for a lot of HR professionals either. Mm-hmm. Um, can we get some of your reflections, I suppose, on what the past couple of years has been like for HR as a profession? Yeah, as you said, I mean, it, it has been an extraordinary couple of years, but I think even prior to the pandemic, we were seeing many issues that are very much centered the HR world being seen much more as part of the broader business agenda, you know, skills, skills development, um, uh, all these sorts of issues, which are so strategic to businesses and much more debate about things like corporate cultures and meaning and purpose and so on. And and I think what the pandemic unquestionably has done, of course, has accelerated a lot of those trends. I think crises often do act as catalysts. But at the same time, it, it, it put right at the very start of the pandemic and through the pandemic, it put HR right in the spotlight. And I remember reading an article uh, in The Economist, I think it was about March uh, of, of the, the year when we began all the lockdowns, um, that said the global financial crisis had put the finance director or head of finance uh, in the spotlight, but the pandemic was certainly putting yeah, the chief HR officer right in the, in the spotlight. And I was hearing right from the beginning, HR directors saying to me, you know, we'd never spend more time with the chief executive or the board or whatever. And they were very much at the heart of, of course, how organizations had to respond and adapt to the pandemic. Um, and I think in many ways that momentum has been maintaining, not least because the pandemic taught us that you've got to look after your people and all these points about well-being and then how do you learn from the pandemic in terms of flexible working, all these sorts of things. But then we've moved into this time of uh, you know, real challenge around retention and recruitment and now it's cost of living uh, uh, and that's creating other tensions and, and pressures in the labour markets. And we're also operating in a significant period of political and economic uncertainty and all these things I think are still providing a very strong agenda for HR at the very heart of business. And and so, as with all these things, yes, it's been a very challenging time. Our surveys as the CIPD certainly show the pressure that the profession has been under, questions of well-being and stress and so forth. But at the same time, one's got to look ahead and say, you know, this 
unquestionably has been a time of great change, and it is putting the people agenda much more front and center in the business agenda. And I think things are really shifting as a result of that, and we've got to see how we take that forwards and benefit from it as organizations, but certainly benefit from it in terms of the positioning of our profession. Hundred percent, a lot to unpick there, and we can we can dig deeper into that as we go through the interview. Um, I suppose, Liam, kind of similar question to yourself. I know we're hearing, I suppose, kind of similar things to what Peter has been saying from our own clients. Liam, haven't we? There's been a lot to take in in the past couple of years. Ways of work and change in legislation is definitely something we can see here in Ireland in our in our sphere. I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, hugely own. I mean, it, 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 it. I never cease to be amazed at the, the pace of transformational change and and the, the rate of change. And I think Peter has has articulated very clearly and there's many similarities between the UK and Ireland in terms of external factors to the to, to the workplace. Um, you know, cost of living, housing crisis, health crisis, um, and all of that are are feeding into what we're seeing. On is probably a more anxious workforce, um, a more worried workforce. And I, I think the curveballs that HR departments and leaders are being thrown are, are, are changing every minute. And 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 th- that's a real thing about how, how agile we are. So, I mean, you know, one of the key things or one of the key challenges organizations and HR departments are, are facing in the Republic of Ireland, we're approximately 4.4% unemployment. So there is a real labor shortage and there's a real skills shortage. Um, and that's not anything that's going to change, I think, dramatically in the next year or so. So it's it's the conundrum of how how do we also cope with, with an aging population um, from a HR point of view, and how do we come up with different offerings um, and making ourselves more attractive? So it, it's one about, I suppose, engaging very, very closely with our existing employees um, from a well-being point of view, from an engagement point of view, um, but also looking at it in a longer-term sense, you know, where are the new people and the new ideas and the new talents within our organisations? Where are they going to come from? And as well as that, we're we're now positioning ourselves in in a global market. Um, we're now, I suppose, competing for people on a worldwide scale, and a lot of the tensions and difficulties. Um, interrelationships between staff, which were there pre-COVID, are still their own. So, you know, in some ways, the, the move to remote, we, we, we thought, oh, well, look, you know, maybe there might be conflict between two two employees when they were in head office and now they've moved remotely. That hasn't changed. So from from our point of view on the ground, grievances are on the increase. Concerns regarding bullying, harassment, sexual harassment are on the increase. So there's still a lot of work to do on, I suppose, the core HR, many of the core HR advisory functions where HR advisors were given support to the business, notwithstanding all the external um, factors. So I think it's really a very turbulent time for businesses, for organizations, for employees, and for HR leaders. So I, I think there's a sense of my best advice to, to HR leaders and, and to HR practitioners is to try and stay calm and concentrate on, on two or three key, I suppose, deliverables within their organization and not not to be caught trying to do everything at once. Mm-hmm. 100%. I think I suppose the, the cost that we've 
I suppose, although it has been a, a turbulent time, one of the, the benefits, I suppose, one of the points that we've seen raised over the past couple of years, and I think you'll agree, Peter, is that I suppose HR now has kind of a stronger seat at the table. We've kind of alluded to it already, I suppose, in our in our discussions. I know personally I'm kind of seeing far more CHRO kind of type titles out there, but is this kind of, is that is my perspective kind of anecdotal or what's your perspective on HR and their actual seat at the top table now? No, as you said, I think it, it's reflective of the fact that I think, you know, as I said, even before the pandemic, in my experience, I've been in this field a long time, that we were seeing far more attention by business leaders being paid to what we would think of as the more strategic aspects of HR and all the things Liam talked about, about, okay, so how do we really engage our people? How do we, uh, what are the expectations of the workforce? How do we get the skills that we need? And these these were definitely emerging and have now been accelerated through the pandemic. And then, to your point, have been sort of reflected in the positioning of the leadership of the profession uh, and the function much more at that top table. Um, and of course, over many years, the number of conversations I've had, you know, going back a decade or more, where HR said, oh gosh, when do we get the seat to the table? And I've often said, you know, I think that in many ways the seat's always, always been there, but but sometimes, certainly historically, we would have to position or fight for it a bit more. We would have to be more confident in educating business leaders as to why the things that we care about in our profession, so fundamental to business. And I think that's been part of the shift. I think business leaders are far more alert to all of these very big questions and recognize how important it is to their business. And therefore, as I said, I think that proverbial seat is definitely there. I think the, the questions that remain then, of course, where we have to be a little bit honest with ourselves is, are we fully capable of taking that seat? Because a seat at an executive table means that you represent your function and you're bringing that expertise, but you have to be part of the wider business strategy and thinking. Um, and you've got to really show that the things that you care about in your functional business area, how they connect to overall business strategy and driving the business thinking collectively. And that also says, therefore, that other things we've wrestled with a little bit in the past about things like, have we got the right data? Have we got good insights that's coming from that? And do we, uh, in that proverbial <laughs> statement, can we speak the language of business? And a lot of the language of business is actually about things like numbers. So have you got the numbers and the data and the insights? And as I said, and can you understand the business strategy and priorities? And therefore, the things that we talk about, we can express in those terms and not just what sometimes has come across as a little bit parochial HR stuff, um, which we haven't always been able to articulate as to just why this is so critical to your business going forth. So I think in, in, with all of that said, I think it's, it is an exciting time. It's a very challenging time. Um, but I think we really are seeing a significant shift in business thinking that we need to be part of and help to encourage going forwards. And having that seat at the table and really fulfilling that role is part of that. Mm-hmm. I think a key part of that you've kind of alluded to there, Peter, as well as just having a seat at the table is fine, but having that voice at the table is really where we'll see the, the proper transformation in HR. Yeah, yes. and then there's the old sort of title thing you talked about CHROs. I'm seeing a lot more chief people officers now. I mean, we've, we've seen things like chief talent officers and things of that na- uh, nature, but even how we sort of brand ourselves has it, it, been part of the shift, I think, a little bit. And yeah, I, I've worked a lot in Ireland, worked a lot internationally. I'm seeing this sort of titling is becoming quite an interesting thing as well as to try to illustrate the breadth of what we do and perhaps signal the shift from how people might have perceived this in the past. 
Mm-hmm. 100% a very interesting thing to follow and hopefully we see more more developments in that. I suppose, Liam, kind of similar to what Peter's saying there, one thing we've spoken spoken frequently, sorry, Liam, about is, I suppose, the importance of HR leaders and teams kind of truly listening to their people. Obviously, there's been that upward seat at the table, voice at the table challenge, but a big challenge for HR people particularly in the past couple of years has been listening to their people, partnering with line managers, that kind of stuff. Um, I think that kind of aspect of, of this whole HR agenda, Liam, is something that can be a driving force for a lot of things, really, isn't it? A lot of the success we're seeing lately comes from that kind of collaboration piece for HR leaders, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think listening and really listening on and, you know, being being receptive to different ideas, different thoughts, being entirely open and, and listening and hearing which we might see as HR people within our organization as constructive feedback, you know, very much on the lines of, of, you know, what Peter has said, you know, we've got a seat at the table. Are we truly representing the business strategy, what the business is trying to achieve, what the business needs from HR? And, you know, that's really, really important. And I think it's important that we as HR are entirely open to receiving that constructive feedback because, you know, sometimes kind of a, taking up Peter, we can be a little bit defensive or, to use his phrase, parochial in terms of defending our own territorial area. But I think we really need to reach out and engage both to all employees within the organization, but also to line managers and sort of say, well, look, how am I, how am I supporting the business? How well am I achieving what, what you want from me? Um, you know, are we considered equals or partners within the organization is my input valued and my ideas and my my strategies because i think sometimes hr people are worried about having that conversation and they should actually embrace that conversation and say well look you know how do you think the hr department is performing what else do you need because i think sometimes line managers come maybe and this is again the point in terms of data and numbers there's a point of view if we truly believe that our role is important and engaging within the organization, then the numbers and the data will back up what we say. And equally, the flip side of that is, if something we're doing isn't working and it isn't having the desired effect, we need to be honest enough with ourselves and with the team and with the organization and with the, the leaders within the organization. Do you know what? We tried something there. It didn't work. And here's what we've learned and and we're sharing that now so that we we'll do something different uh, next time around. So I think it's really listening to people and engaging right throughout the organization and and capturing that information from what is now in lots of cases a hybrid or remote working uh, organization and how you're going to do that but also listening and asking for feedback both positive and constructive from the business in terms of how HR is performing and and meeting the needs of the business on Completely agree, Liam. I mean, I, I think just sort of building that thought, the thing that's always, you know, fascinating me about HR is, is you've got to balance this understanding the needs of management and business, but also being, as some might describe it, the champion of the employee. Um, and how do we understand the needs of the workforce and, and, and things like cultural dynamics and sometimes then having the confidence to challenge the business management and leadership. Um, and that, that's quite a unique positioning of any function. And, and I think sometimes in the past, HR's been partly because of perhaps its own lack of confidence. As people said, well, it's straight too much to just be a voice of management. Um, 
when actually it's also got to champion the voice of the, of the employee in the workforce. And, and then other things which are very difficult, uh, which illustrate that point, things like industrial relations, where you, you really are having to sort of work with both the voice as it's represented, say, through unions of the workforce, but also understand the pressures and demands that are coming from management. And, and that requires some real confidence and an ability to understand both sides of this, you know, debate, if you will, about the workforce, the nature of the workforce, how they're thinking as much as what the business needs and how you bring those two things together. And, so, and I suppose that, that another thing that kind of jumps out to me as well, Peter, I suppose that a lot of the things we're talking about here, it's, it's kind of a combination of things like data, technology, which could be, I suppose, technical skills for HR people, but there's also that element of soft skills. And I know the CIPD obviously has done a lot of work over the skills agenda in, in recent recent years, Peter. Was, as we mentioned, is skills, collaboration, are they the kind of things that can really make, I suppose, the HR agenda really jump forward? Because uh, I know, obviously, you talk about skills a lot, so we'd just like to, I suppose, delve deeper into that aspect. Yeah, I think it, it's one of the most strategic agendas that we have as, as the profession. And it, it's not straightforward. I mean, we talk a lot now about strategic workforce planning. I mean, as, as we're going through times of significant change and as technology is accelerating in its impact in work and the jobs and skills that we need, a very, very consistent issue, and we've already touched on it, um, both of us, is skills shortfall, skills gaps, and then how do I adapt? How do I upskill and reskill my people if I can't recruit all the skills I need, which we can't? Um, how do I therefore reinvent learning and development? How do we use technology to enable learning in very different ways, embedding learning in the flow of work and all these sorts of things. And these are various big and strategic agendas. So on the one hand, we've got to understand you know, the needs of the workforce and, and capabilities and skills for the organization going forwards and the strategic workforce planning. And what are our options in filling some of those gaps? And, the, and, and they could be everything from contracting out things, partnering, retraining, reskilling, and a, a range of things like that, but at a pretty strategic level. And then seeing that as part of the business strategy, because it is, um, and I've said for a while now that if, if you don't have a good understanding um, alongside your, your other elements of business strategy about, about the people, the capabilities you're going to need, where you're going to get them from, uh, things like cultural dynamics and so forth, then you, you're sitting on a chair with a missing leg. Um, and this is the really strategic stuff for our profession. But as I said, alongside that, we've then got to really think hard about, so how do we, first of all, make sure we are building an organization which is attractive to bring in the diversity of talent and skills that we need and retain them? Um, how do we balance, as I said, different models of employment, you know, contracting and contingent workers alongside permanent workers and employees? Um, and of course, how do we build the capabilities within the organization? And I think this really has to be seen as a very strategic capability for businesses now around things like learning and development that we can do in very different ways, very agile, very responsive. As I said, using things like technology to embed in the flow of work and all these sorts of ideas, which I think, you know, we, we've still got a lot of work to do, if I'm honest, uh, as a profession. And um, there's some fabulous examples of things going on, but we need to spread that and see that as a real competence and capability. And therefore, also as a profession, embrace technology within what we do. Um, you know, I've emphasized in learning and development, but it's also true of using technology around recruitment and analytics and all these other things. And get a lot more comfortable with the transformation of our function 
enabled by technology, just as is happening in so many other parts of business. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. It's great to see such a those kind of topics being well spoken about. I know it's one of the key values of the CIPD and one of the key purposes that really kind of lifts the profession by talking about these things. As we say, a rising tide raises all ships. So it's great to great to hear being spoken about. I suppose kind of the final crystal ball type question. I know I know it's a bit of a bit of a, a tricky one to finish it, but I'd love to hear both of your thoughts because I think if anyone knows the answer to this, it'll be yourself, Peter, and Liam as well. I'll come to yourself, Liam, for this first. So I suppose what what do you think, Liam? Is kind of next for the HR profession. So, what should every listeners, what should our listeners, sorry, be focusing on in 2023 and beyond? I think we've talked, to- we've touched on a few touch points. On I think skills development is 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 massive. Um, it's like what we've said in terms of what does the business need? Um, what's the cap- capability currently? Uh, the human capability and and where are the gaps? And what are the changes coming downstream? for the business and how can we be there and how, how can the HR team uh, support the business in that in that change? Because, you know, we, we look at what's happened in IT industries and social media industries, the, the pace of change. And so it's, it's really looking, it's trying to look ahead and anticipate, and that's very, very difficult. It's like what you said, it's a, looking into a crystal ball, but um, we, we can understand that we're going to have to be more agile and we're going to have to be more dynamic and we're going to have to be more ready for change. And the people who, who work within our organizations and support our teams are also going to have to be more dynamic and agile and change. And that's not easy on. That's not straightforward. Um, and it's supporting people within the business who will have anxieties and fears around housing, around health, around transport, um, childcare, all of these issues. And trying to calmly navigate through those those um, areas. One point I would say, I think conflict is going to be an issue because I think there are many um, parts of businesses which are under strain and many people within individual departments who are under pressure, which they weren't under heretofore. And th- there's a sense, you okay, well, we had COVID, that was a major, you know, now you should be delivering on X, Y, Z. So I think HR is going to have to be very, clued into what's coming down the line, trying to anticipate that and trying to make sure that the people who work within the business are, are agile enough and supported enough from an employee well-being, mental health point of view uh, and what supports are needed. Um, because people, line managers, employees are going to need, I think, more support over the next number of years, not less support. 100%. And similar question to yourself, Peter, is that I suppose a lot of this might be, I suppose, kind of building on the, the strong foundations that have been made in the past couple of years, isn't it? And really kind of pushing the HR function forward. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think, you know, Liam's laid out some really, really important things which are on our agendas now and absolutely need to be driven forwards and, and in some regards pushed harder. You know, as I said, I think it, it is a, we're going through a time of significant change. The expectations of the workforce have changed. Uh, the pandemic's accelerated some of that. We've got a huge skills shortfalls, a lot of uncertainty. So, as Liam said, you know, the ability to build organizations that are agile and responsive and adaptive. I mean, that's really core cool stuff for our profession because that implies everything from leadership capabilities through culture, how you empower people effectively, how you upskill and reskill people. I mean, they're huge things. And, and I think a lot of people are talking about also, therefore, our profession being seen as much more on this sort of change enablement transformation space um, and moving beyond 
uh, of course, we still have to do the basics of hiring and all of those sorts of things. But really thinking about these very big questions about how you create agile and adaptive and responsive businesses, and then how you think ahead, as, as Liam said, and as I've touched on in things like strategic workforce planning, what capabilities we're going to need for the future, how do we, do we develop those? But I think there's you know, such a profound role for us in therefore, in many ways, shaping the future of work. I mean, I, I wrote a book showing the pandemic called The New World of Work, and I, I said, you know, this is a time when we really are in a, in a state of flux, a lot of different ideas, a lot of different expectations, and I think our profession could be in the front and center of shaping a lot of the future of work and how people work and what their jobs look like and how we embrace flexible working and different working practices, and how we really focus, as you touched on, Liam, on ideas like well-being as an outcome and inclusion and all these things which we talked about for so long. And and I'm often reminded of, uh, I think it's the Peter Drucker quote that said, you know, it's, it's very hard to predict the future, but the best way to predict it is to help to shape it. Uh, and I think we're at that time, and I think we're at that time for our profession in particular, and shaping jobs which are good for people as we see more technology impacts in the nature of jobs, and therefore the good work agendas, and all these things, which is yeah, lays out not only something that is very strategic and reinforces the points we've made about the role of of our profession and having that seat at the table, but I think should be really inspiring and exciting for people as they think about their future careers within the profession and how we bring more diversity of skills to work with us uh, as we enable that future. And I think you know there's a lot to look, a lot of challenges, but I think a lot of fantastic opportunities for us to position the profession at the heart of business thinking and be part of the change which we know we need to see not just through business but through society as well. 100% and that's the exact line I was going to finish off with there Peter a lot of challenges a lot of things to do but a lot of opportunities definitely and it's great to be talking about these things so many issues so many challenges but great to be speaking about them and sharing them with the HR profession and things like your book for instance are, are great things for for HR people to, to pay attention to and get involved with and, and I suppose just stay ahead be future ready. So look, thank you, Peter and Liam, for a very insightful discussion. We really appreciate the, the thoughts and, and your time as well, Peter. Really appreciate you, you joining us today. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at insighthr.ie. Thank you, Liam, and thank you, Peter. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember... If you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.